0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I am Marla Martinson, your host, matchmaker, author of the memoir, Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, energy healer, and coach. So I hope you guys are doing well during this lockdown. It looks like some things are starting to open up. Today's Friday, uh, May 8th, and I know that in Los Angeles, uh, some things are opening back up. Um, you know, slowly and uh, with a limited capacity, but that is good news. People need to get back to work. We need to start making some money again, um, but I hope everybody stays safe and healthy. So I am have picked a great excerpt from Louise Hay's Heart Thoughts, A Treasury of Inner Wisdom, like I usually do, and this one uh is about all of our experiences. And Louise says, all my experiences are right for me. We have been going through doors since the moment we were born. That was a big door and a big change. We came to this planet to experience life this particular time around. We chose our parents and we have been through many doors since then. We came equipped with everything within us that we need in order to live this life fully and richly. We have all the wisdom. We have all the knowledge. We have all the abilities and all the talents. We have all the love and all the emotions that we need. Life is here to support us and take care of us and we need to know and trust that it is so. Doors are constantly closing and constantly opening and if we stay centered in ourselves, then we are always safe no matter which doorway we pass through. When we pass through the last doorway on this planet, it is not the end. It is the beginning of another new adventure. It is all right to experience change. Today is a new day. We will have many wonderful new experiences. We are loved, we are safe, and so it is. And she says, fear comes from not trusting the process of life to be there for you. The next time you are frightened, say, I trust the process of life to take care of me. Yes, life is a process, and we have gone through a big door of change with this um, coronavirus that it's teaching us a lot of a lot of things about ourselves, about the way we've been living, the way maybe we've been handling money or relationships or business. And I know I've learned a lot of deep lessons through this time, and um, I'm sure you have too. So today we have a fascinating guest. Her name is Bonnie Meyer, and she has a really great memoir called Perfectly Paired: The Love Affair Beyond. And Behind an iconic wine. Who doesn't love a great glass of wine? Bonnie Meyer is the principal of Meyer Family Enterprises, an investment company dedicated to the regeneration of the planet and society. After selling Silver Oak Cellars in 2001, Bonnie is now a partner in Meyer Family Cellars, a winery run by her son, Matt, and her daughter-in-law, Karen. And um, she's here to talk to us about her her uh, new memoir, which has so many beautiful things in there, her love story and some poetry. So I'm just going to bring her on right now. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Marla. How are you Thanks today? Thanks for being with me. I'm delighted. Awesome. So let's get into this this story here. Um you you lost your dear husband Justin, and it's the the story starts there, and the two of you created a wonderful life together, filled with an adventure, success. Um, you let why did you leave the book with the story of his sudden passing? And tell us a little bit about that. What happened? And and I'm very intrigued about his signs to you immediately after um,
1: his mm. passing. Yes, yeah, so um, Justin and I were just coming up on our 30th wedding anniversary and mm-hmm. I was just barely recovering from um, uh, cancer surgery and uh, was just able to, to really function and so we, we drove up to see friends in the mountains and there after a picnic he had a heart attack and died mm-hmm. right then mm-hmm. right there. Um, I start the book with that because, you know, there are moments in our lives that change
0: everything. And that
1: definitely was a moment that changed, changed everything. And Mm -hmm. the whole, my whole world, it's like it shifted on its axis and everything was different after that. Um, in the end, I'm going to skip to the end, in the, in the end, (laughs) um, I, um, I found that the my grief journey was transformative. It was, um, uh, and it can be for all of us. It isn't necessarily so, but, because um, we have to really embrace it, but uh,
0: it, uh, yeah, it's a tra- transformative experience. Yeah, it sure is. And how did you, it's interesting, tell everybody how you met in the beginning, because he was a a Christian brother with, um, he was a monk. And so I like that story of how you guys met. <laughs>
1: you know, that's the story that everybody always wanted me to tell. You know, people said, Oh, I want you to write it. You need to write a book about, about how you met and about falling in love with a monk and, uh, yeah. ended up, you know, marrying him. Uh, so, um, we, uh, I was uh, just one month at the University of California, Davis, uh, Mm -hmm. and was invited by a a new friend to go to a professor's house for dinner. And who doesn't like that, right? After a month of dorm room, you go,
0: oh, all right.
1: (laughs) So I I went to this professor's house and it was was a dinner that was celebrating a um, birthday for brother Justin. And my friend said, bring your guitar. Because he plays the banjo, he will appreciate that, so yeah. I walked in the house and i uh I stashed my guitar in the dining room behind my chair, where he probably wouldn't notice it and then um after after dinner, and the cake was put on the table with I got out my guitar and let everybody in happy birthday and his eyes just lit up and um, he excused himself from the table. He went and got his homemade banjo, and sat back down at the head of the table. And we ended up playing music right, right there, and then in the uh, family room. And a photograph. There's even a photograph of that moment in in the book. Um, I because, love that. Uh, I know.
0: It's, yeah. You have that picture yeah, when so you first met playing that. I mean, that is just priceless. I love that. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets that, <laughs> right? And he was a right. monk,
1: and and um and we got to know each other at, thereafter. Started playing music at at church, and really, and fell in love. And uh, but we knew we couldn't do anything with that with our relationship, and so it was actually five years of elation and agony um, Mm -hmm. that we knew each other while I was uh, in school, and um, just about the time I was going to leave, I'd finished my teacher's credential. Um, He decided that he was going to leave the the brothers, and he came Mm -hmm. and with tears in his eyes told me he was leaving and, and he wanted to marry me, and I said yes.
0: Oh my God, he left for you. That is so, so, uh, romantic. And yeah, he's such a, uh, bon vivant. You know, I, it was interesting on the way up that day that he did, uh, pass away. You, he said you were mad because he, you know, he had diabetes and he had, was overweight but he wouldn't give up his ice cream. He would he wanted, <laughs> he says, I'd rather, you know, I want to live, I'm going to die someday and I want to eat what I want to eat, drink what I want to drink and do what I want to do. And, um. So then that gave you some peace. It's like, okay, well, we talked about that, and uh, he's not gonna do it, so yeah, <laughs> yeah living yeah. life on his own terms, exactly, yeah, I gave up trying to talk always. my husband into some of that too, different things, <laughs> like you know he's, just, he's gonna do what he's gonna do uh, so, um, he's, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: go ahead, yeah, and then how did you get into the wine? you two you know get into the wine business? Well, he was, so he was a Christian brother
1: and he was there at Davis because, um, Christian brothers, he had been chosen to be the future president of Christian brothers winery. Christian brothers mm-hmm. winery was one of the largest wineries in the country, uh, in the sixties. And, um, so he was there to get more technical knowledge about winemaking and grape growing. Uh, and so when he finished, when he was just, we were just there together for a year uh, he finished his master's and went back to the winery and uh, was making wine with famous Brother Timothy and uh, working in the vineyard in charge of um, hundreds of acres of vineyard. So um, when uh, we decided to get married, he told the Christian brothers he'd like to stay on, but mm-hmm. they, it wasn't in their, uh, their paradigm. They, they couldn't imagine somebody who wasn't a brother, uh, in charge of the winery. So, um, they Mm -hmm. said, no, you can't stay. Uh, but while he was at Christian brothers, they were making 40 different wines, which is something that was driven by their marketing department. And he had this idea that he wanted to just make one, just pick one. So he did. And the same week we were married, we started silver oak cellars. Um, and uh, we just made Cabernet, and it became
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, pretty famous after that.
0: Yes, very famous. Oh. And did you ever have an interest or plans in creating a winery before you met Justin? Did you know anything about that business?
1: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I studied I studied psychology and education in school at uh-huh. uh, Davis. Yeah, um, but I did take some. I actually. Uh, um, ended up be, uh, becoming good friends with that professor whose home um, I went to that first month, and and uh, I worked for him a couple couple years in the vineyard and making wine. So I knew the rudiments of winemaking, um, but I didn't think I would ever actually be in the wine business um, right. until
0: until I was. Yeah. And uh, well, and it's, it's, yeah, it's an amazing business. I mean, it's just, I feel, I think it's just like so romantic, you know, so many people just love wine and it's, it's a hard business and I just congratulate you. It's amazing. You know, it's amazing. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about your upbringing because your parents were from Michigan and your grandparents worked for Ford. Tell us a little bit about your Mm -hmm. grandfather who was the inventor at Ford. Oh, he was a a warm and wonderful person, and
1: he had a, you know, when you, uh, I live in California. We don't have basements, Mm -hmm. but in in Michigan, they had a basement, (laughs) and his was filled with electronic equipment, and Mm -hmm. um, he uh, started out in the Navy. He was a Navy radio operator. He became famous for Mm -hmm. being able to take Morse code and read a book faster than anyone Mm. in the world so he had a quick mind and he invented parts for the uh, radios parts for uh, TVs, early TVs, he had Mm -hmm. a TV down there and then um, he also uh, Ford, Henry Ford had uh, an airline and uh, an airport and he uh, my grandfather we called him Boomba (laughs) <laughs> he, William Gassett. He he invented um, the ILS landing system that uses radio waves to help airplanes land wow. in the fog And they can't see. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Amazing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love all these all these stories. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit. There's so many great stories, and there's a lot of humor and fun. You know, in the book, tell us about the time that you and Justin went to Hawaii and stayed in um uh the the guy John from Fleet with Mac home John McVee. <laughs> yeah how how did that tell us about that one how that happened oh
1: god the funny the funny um the funny thing about that is we had a we had a guy there's another famous winery in Napa Valley called Spotswood and in the the early days of that this character Wayne Cody uh was Kind of brought from LA. He was a surfer to help help that family re renovate their house, and he yeah. he did. And then when he was kind of done with that, he helped us with some uh, build some pump houses for vineyard. And um, and then about two years in, he comes into our office and he says, um, "Well, I think he's from New Zealand." Well, I think. I'm going to go surfing for the winter and I'll be back in the spring. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And to go, well, okay. But he never came back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, what he did was he became a wine steward in Maui. <laughs> and then eventually <laughs> he, he had a buddy uh, that came who sold John McSea a house. And Wayne Cody says um, to us, he says, come visit. This house is really huge. I'm I'm caretaking this house, and um, nobody's here. Come, you know. So we uh, we made arrangements. We arrived, I'll pick you up, right? We arrived. He didn't pick us up. So we we get into the car, and uh, we rent a car and we drive through town, uh, the ta- little town of Lahaina. We go into the restaurant that he had been working in, and we say, hey, do you know there's a bunch of guys kind of hunched over the bar? This is mid-afternoon. And I say, hey, any of you guys know the mate, Wayne Cody? And they mm-hmm. go, yep. And they we go, where can you find him? Where can we find him? And he says, well, uh, you can't. Gone to the <laughs> Grammys. Oh. And so... Um, and we go, "Oh, we're supposed to stay in his house. How do we get in?" And they go, "Oh, his sister's right next door in the Hobie shop." She eventually let us in. We partied there for a couple of days in John McVee's house, right? Not nobody's there but us and yeah. and then um and then who walks in but Wayne Cody and John McPhee. and we go, "Oh, wow.
0: no. oh. <laughs> in his
1: house uh, we start packing. <laughs> and and uh, John says no 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 it's okay you know I you know the master bedroom's at the other end of the house you just stay just have a good time just stay so so we did and yeah. and um, the rest of the band came over we said got to say hi to everyone and they were celebrating mm-hmm. because they had won the album of the year um, mm-hmm. while we were there um, before their arrival they they. They had one out of wood. So, mm, yeah. So that was a momentous yeah.
0: moment. <laughs>
1: oh, that is so cool.
0: And let's get to some of these paranormal experiences because right away, that night that um, after Justin passed, tell us about some of the things that went on that he was kind of giving you some messages.
1: Well, Justin, you know, one thing I used to tell him is. I wouldn't have married you if you hadn't have been a monk. And, uh, and yeah. it really gave him, a, it, he was a monk for 15 years, and it, he had a deep spirituality. And, yeah. um, again, his, his, death was, his death was sudden, um, but he was laughing, actually, as just moments before he died. And, mm. um, actually, the, one of the first things that happened, I just really felt his presence even though I was in shock. I could feel his presence around me. And then the next day, my daughter arrived. Uh, She had been in Boston. And that that night, I was tucking her into bed, just sitting on the bed. She was lying in our bed where Justin used to lay. And I was just sitting on the side of the bed talking with her quietly. And in a niche, 10 feet away, in the niche in the wall, there was a uh, little fountain. And as we were talking, a pebble flew across the room and landed at my feet. And Holly yeah. and I looked at each other, and we looked down at the pebble, looked at each other again, you know, and yeah. and looked down at the pebble. And then find, ultimately, Holly says, hi, Daddy. Oh, we just we knew it was him, you know how What yeah. else how who else, how else, and yeah. um, um, so that was a profound moment then and, and it was his way, you know to say hey, i'm here, i'm mm-hmm. here and, and then the then the funniest thing happened the next morning in in our bathroom, uh we were in this house that had a uh one of those hair dryers that you find in hotels. That right. um, you take off, you know, you take the handle off and it starts going, and then you put it back on. And, yeah. Um, was it hanging on the wall? It was on the wall the counter, and it was uh-huh. and on the wall, and it was right next to where Justin used the the sink that he would use to uh-huh. shave, and he would he would knock the thing off with his elbow, and he hated it.
0: Mm. He just hated <laughs> it,
1: you know. He said, "Will you please?" Just get rid of this thing, but I and, but I used it, you know. So yeah, oh, you know. But that that next day, that um, that hair dryer started going off as it on its own accord. It just mm. when I was really deeply in grief and really upset, it would it would the motor would go on, and mm-hmm. um, and just you know be quite loud. And then as I calmed down, it would calm down and stop and that went on oh. for over a year uh, oh, that went gosh. on for a year um oh. so every time i walked in the bathroom and was upset the hair jar would motor would go gosh. so it's <laughs> really i mean that just speaks to, to justin's sense of yeah humor, right yeah that, exactly. That, that, <laughs> he would take that, that thing that he hated yeah <laughs> uh, um and so it was his way of of saying I, I'm, I'm here um, I think these things happen to you know when I ask people and say hey have you noticed anything you know when they're really grieving for someone that's very beloved when I, uh, when I ask them have you noticed anything um, they go
0: oh yeah
1: but I but I, uh, I, I haven't told anybody <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And <laughs>
1: I don't talk about it. And and um but you know, they'll start telling me these stories. And so one of the reasons I include actually a number of ways in which Justin and I connected. First first randomly it come coming from him and then I gained a, an ability to to go and uh through meditation actually meet up with him.
0: Uh oh, because
1: wow. it was comforting. Um, yeah, and And, but one of the reasons I've wrote about these things is I want them to become a normal part of our culture. And they're not. Sadly, they're not. And it's so, um, it is so comforting when, when we can feel that connection after someone that we love deeply dies.
0: And when you go into the meditation, do you, you see him come into your mind's eye or what is that like when you go in and meet up with him? Um, so yeah, I'll give you a little bit of a background when
1: I, when I, um, soon after he died, I started having lucid dreams Mm -hmm. and where I was interacting with him and he seemed just normal. And I was, had these, we had these conversations about the kids. He just, you just do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was, you know, then I'd wake up and I would be in grief again. You know, I'd see him, and then I'd lose him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to be able to, but those dreams just kind of came sometimes. And I found out a few months after he died, I found out about the Monroe Institute and read, read books by Robert Monroe. And so I went went there and learned how to do this um, astral travel. Um, mm-hmm. Where I could go and meet him, and uh, most of the time, it feels very, very physical, very real,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and and sometimes very passionate, and uh, uh, I would say even sexual. Mm. Um, so it's a very, a very, it's a very rich experience.
0: Yeah, the astral travel, I. I have astral traveled many times but it's not something I can initiate on my my own it'll just I'll be in bed and all of a sudden my whole body's like a engine starting up like really strong and it the, the body's shape you know like you hear it in your ear a big like a motor vibration. starting yep yeah that vibration yep. and then that means that the spirit's going to lift up and out and then and then I'll say okay just go and then sometimes it'll just go up out a little and then fall back in. Like it's interesting now. So the, yeah, I've heard of the Monroe Institute. So they t- teach how to initiate that yourself, how to do it right when you want.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I took the, I took, it was the beginning course. It was just the one week, the one week course and on day four. I, I was able to, to see him face to face. And wow, um, I got so, so intrigued that I, and I, you know, I have to say, I have no natural psychic ability. Some people do. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people do. But I have, there's nothing in, in me. that. Um, but if, so I figure if I can learn how to do this, anybody can learn how to do this. And, um, but that's what, what the Monroe Institute teaches is, is how to attain and maintain very specific states of consciousness and have an intention of where you want to go. And, who you and want when you
0: do this, is it at night when you're laying in bed, or do you do it sitting in meditation? Usually,
1: you, you, usually it's, it's um, yeah, either at either night. right at at night um, yeah. or when I wake up in the morning. You know, when mm-hmm. my when it's quiet,
0: when my when my day is quiet, and I'm not busy
1: doing other right. things. Yeah. And then
0: when you saw him, yeah. like when you leave and you're out on the astral plane, do you wait a minute and he's, you know, call him and he comes, or is he right there waiting for you when you, when you come out? It's when you come there. It
1: it it depends. There are some times when I don't see him, where I don't find him, and I just figure, you know, it's a mystery, and I and I figure that it's one I boy I've, I have such deep respect for. Him. I have no idea what he's doing. And what you know, the things <laughs> right. that he needs to do, places he needs to be, and yeah. um, so so I have such deep respect for when he shows up and when he when he doesn't. And
0: uh, uh, so. Yeah. And how does he look? Does he look like when when you last saw him, oh, or just a lot of people <laughs> say they look like a lot younger. They they choose a look to be like. In their thirties or twenties or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I would say he looks, you know, very fit and and, in kind of like thirty-five, forty. Uh Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: huh. And then when you see each other, do you you can have conversations with him and things? We.
1: It's mostly wordless. Those those lucid dreams. It was more of a conversation,
0: but Uh
1: but when I see him on that level, it's we. Um, we we embrace, we kind of blend yeah. with each other, yeah. and yeah. and it's um, just a profound
0: connection
1: more than a conversation.
0: Wow! And what are your kids? What do your kids think about that? About you being on the astral? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think my my kids think I'm a little strange, um, a little kooky, <laughs> and I. <laughs> frankly and um uh but my daughter has my daughter had similar experiences where she, that her stereo would turn on this is after he died um her stereo would turn on when it was time to go to bed um mm-hmm. and um she's kind of seen him a few times mm-hmm. um, my sense of not and and actually it makes them sad they don't want to think about it um yeah. it, it makes them sad that they don't. And um, but so I do think it's there's a
0: kind of surrender that
1: that is necessary to how these experiences.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and women tend um, to be more open to to that in general. We're, we're more sensitive a lot of times. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, are you still? So this has been you know all, coming up almost on twenty years, right? Since he. Um, yes. Yeah. Left. Yeah. And so, is he still doing any? You know, the hair dryer thing, or throwing pebbles, or is it more now? You just is he doing anything in the house? Or
1: you know, he only he only threw that pebble once, and and uh-huh. my 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 sense, my intuition is that that was a really hard thing to do to to actually have I would a, imagine to move yeah. move a physical object, and that mm-hmm. some, there's something about electronics. You know, lights flickering yeah. and things that a lot of people report, and you know, something about electronics that's easier for a spirit. Um, mm-hmm. So, so first the pebble, then the then the hair dryer, and and then, um, but now no, um, he doesn't mm-hmm. need to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. He doesn't right. need
1: to do that, and, and I, you know, and I also want to say, you know, so many people just wait for their loved one to show up. Well, how about going and meeting them?
0: How about having, yeah.
1: just having that intention and not always having to, you know, them make the, that right. effort? Um, yeah, I
0: love that. No, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, you still, so you're still to the same going out on the astral, right? <laughs> you're still going out there? Yes. Uh, yeah, regularly. Sure. That's and som- so cool. Som- I just, and,
1: and, and sometimes he just spontaneously shows up, especially That would be more
0: first thing in the morning as I'm waking up,
1: you know, I just feel his presence. Mm -hmm. Now,
0: have you found that since you've been going out on the astral for so many years that your psychic um, or intuitive um, chops have, you know, sharpened up? Like, have you noticed anything like that? Yeah, I think practice, Mm -hmm. I think
1: any kind of practice, right, whether it's a
0: that's right. why they call
1: it a meditation practice or right? any any kind yeah. of practice yeah. um, uh, helps you with um, yeah those kinds of things right, exactly and, uh, and
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and and it seems like once we get out of the body it seems like I don't know we just get more intuitive or something because we're some energetically something happens there I've I've kind of found it little bit. It's it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And, and you, Mm -hmm. in the book, you have had, had, um, you know, you had had cancer and, you know, you were in so much grief and almost decide, you know, thinking about, well, I could will the cancer to come back so I could, you know, die. And, um, but here you are all these years later, you know, how, how have you overcome some of these struggles and that experience with cancer? Where do you find your strength, you know, to move through all the things that the universe throws at you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, at the time of Justin's death, we were we were so, we were so close, you know, as a couple, yeah. and that um, I, one of, some of my first feelings is I really wanted to die because I just wanted to be with him. I wanted to be on yeah. that plane, not here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in, at that time, it was my the fear in my children's eyes. Yeah. You know. They they would look at me. I would just not long ago I'd been in the hospital in really bad shape and mm-hmm. they would look at me with this fear in their eyes, like we just left our dad. We don't want you to leave too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what just said, Okay, I gotta pull myself together and mm-hmm. um and and be here. Uh yeah. for them. and, and that's you know they're my children are now God, my youngest one is going to be 40 this year um wow. so they they've um they they were in their 20s at the time so mm-hmm. so now I'm not living for my kids I'm really living for the for um what I feel like a servant leadership that mm-hmm. that um uh that I am the things that I do in the world Right. right. That's so beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, tell everybody um, you can um, find Bonnie's website linked up back at Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. But just tell everybody where that where they can find you in your book. Um, they can find
1: they can find the book. Amazon is not taking any new books right now. So my um, book is at B O N N Y M E Y E R b-o-n-n-y, m-e-y-e-r.com, and they can um, they can find it there.
0: Amazon's not taking any more new books.
1: <laughs> no,
0: Anything? they they've what? said that
1: they, they're not taking they're not. I know, right? It started out <laughs> as a place to buy books. Um, the the um, the uh, Kindle version is there, but they they didn't want to warehouse any any new books. They want to focus oh. on house household goods right now. Yeah, they're not
0: doing so. Like yeah. I have, you know, five four books up there, and uh, I have Kindle, and then there's Create Space, but that's like print on demand, so they're not warehousing. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I guess if it's through a publishing company, they'd be. Where you know having a lot of them there, so that's interesting. Yeah, but I wonder if they yeah. still do the print taking print on demand. I'm writing a new book; it's coming up on the home stretch, so <laughs> we'll be interested. Oh, good for you! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Memoir. <laughs> I write memoirs too, so it's it's awesome. Well, thank you, Bonnie, for for sharing that amazing story. And everybody, go check out Bonnie's book on her website, Perfectly Paired. And if you love this podcast, please. Go and leave a review on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps others find the show, and much love until next time. Thanks, Bonnie. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Bye.